0: Wife and mother of our beautiful child. How are you doing?
1: Hello. I'm doing well. How are you? Great.
0: <laughs> to a good start.
1: This is what it sounds like when you don't have a lot of sleep.
0: <laughs> that's, pretty, that's pretty true. All right. So we're gonna talk about becoming parents. All right. Uh I've been getting, I don't know about you, but I've gotten a few questions about uh, becoming a dad, how this mm. changed me, what it's been like for you, the pregnancy, how it's impacted our relationship, all of that good jazz. Mm. So I thought, um, I thought we would talk a little bit about having a child okay. first, first and foremost, and what that was like for us. But then, secondly, how we've navigated that within the context of our relationship, mm-hmm. uh, specifically, what was it like while you were pregnant, and has anything shifted? while, you know, since having a child, even though we're, you know, we're as Steven Jugginson recently called it, we're parentlings. (laughs) We're like fledgling parents, you know, just uh, fresh out of the nest. But um, yeah. So why don't we just start broad and then we'll, we'll go a little bit deeper, but what was your experience like being pregnant Mm -hmm. and yeah, what was the highlight? What was surprising? What was challenging for you?
1: Hmm. I, I enjoyed being pregnant. Um, I, was, I was excited to be pregnant and go through that process. I think I recall you feeling uh, concerned though, that I wasn't like attaching uh, early on in the pregnancy. <clears throat> just
0: for clarity's sake, I'm never concerned. Never. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it's you had a few things to say about say it. Say
0: more. What do you mean by that? That I was concerned that you weren't attaching? What do you mean? Like
1: I, so I I did become excited probably later on in the pregnancy. And in the earlier part of the pregnancy, I, I think I was just neutral. And I think my neutrality was something that you were uh okay maybe not concerned is the the wrong word confused confused yeah like why i why i wasn't <clears throat> and yeah i mean i think that that piece stands out to me just in terms of how you were observing me at that time and
0: why why do you feel like that's important what about that what about that is important that mm. or or
1: noteworthy well i think it it said more about you
0: yeah, I like how like how I asked you how your pregnancy was and you flipped it. Like what a what a classic fucking therapist move, you know? It's like so what
1: do you mean what a therapist move? Oh, no, that's a therapist that's move. Not, the turnaround?
0: That's, not, that's a turnaround.
1: In therapy, I'm my life is not. I know,
0: I know. Bad. And I asked you how your pregnancy went and you told me about me <laughs> and my experience. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it's still relevant. I'm happy to talk about it. Okay. Well, if I bring it back to me, Connor Beaton, um, yeah. I mean, my pregnancy, I was lucky. My, you know, yeah, my first trimester was I didn't have any morning sickness. I had evening uh queasiness, never, never really got sick. Um, but yeah, usually about 7 p.m. every single night was when I was like, oops. There it is. And yeah, from there on out was a pretty straightforward uh, pregnancy. So feel deeply grateful for that. And yeah, my only craving was chocolate chip pancakes for dessert.
0: (laughs) There there, legitimately was one night where all of a sudden, I mean, we had just eaten dinner and all of a sudden Vienna from the living room is like, babe. Yeah. And she's like, I want chocolate chip pancakes, and I was like, "Okay, yeah, we can we can get those wow. for you. We can get those for you this weekend." She's like, "No, like right now, I want chocolate chip pancakes right now."
1: <laughs> yeah, we were and lucky we, enough to be in close vicinity to to
0: chocolate chip pancakes. Yes. We had a close proximity to chocolate chip pancakes. Yeah.
1: So back to you.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's go back to
1: me. Um, no, so I mean, I think yeah, like that felt like something that you were. Concerned with because there was a story there for you. Um, Because I remember feeling like your concern or your curiosity or whatever you want to call it was something that I was like, back off, (laughs) you know, just like, let me have my experience here. Um, And I didn't didn't really know why you kept coming with that until we had uh, a deeper conversation about it.
0: And what was that deeper conversation about it? What, what did, what did I reveal?
1: Why don't you reveal (laughs) (laughs) what came up for you? Yeah. I mean, I think
0: what was interesting for me is, you know, as I watched you, I was excited. I think in the beginning when not like wildly excited because it wasn't something, you know, that we, we had talked about becoming parents, but it wasn't something that was necessary in our life, I think, in order for us to find a sense of completion or a deeper level of satisfaction within this life. Yeah. But we were excited when we found out that we were pregnant. Um, at least I, I was excited. I, th- I think you were as well. But then as the pregnancy unfolded, I think I was looking for you to to be more excited, to like be more engaged with that, like the novelty of thinking about becoming a parent. And I think for me, when you when you weren't meeting me in that space of like real excitement, I think there was a con- like uh, a concern on my side. And I think the concern came from my childhood, you know, and I had very much grown up in this environment where I had, you know, experienced divorce when I was three. And, you know, my mom was very, like she was close for a good amount of time. But then, you know, so sort of like somewhere around seven years old, I think she started to become more and more distant for a number of reasons. She had other kids. And then as I got a little bit older, alcohol started to play a pretty significant part of her life. And, you know, so I think I started to feel unconsciously after we had some conversations Like, you know, there was a chance that if you weren't excited that our, our, you know, our son was going to be neglected in some way, shape or form, or that he wasn't going to have you show up in the way that I was really, I guess I was attached to based on how my childhood went. And it was so interesting to see that come up because I was, I was angry. I was frustrated for a while where I was like, why aren't you more excited? Like, You're the mom like we, you know, (laughs) you were like, not that you were like pushing for us to have a child by any means, but, you know, I think I sort of had that narrative in my head that like, you should be air quotes, you should be excited. And the fact that you weren't, I sort of projected onto you as something that was sort of like wrong with you (laughs) when it was, I was worked up, you know, I was angry and sort of concerned that you know, we were going to bring a child into the world and he wouldn't have, I had, I realized I had all these stories like, you know, that, that you were going to be overworking and that he wasn't going to have you around. And I was like, man, it's, and so then, and then I was like, oh, so much of my shit is coming up right now. And it was like, my stuff came up first, which was very interesting.
1: So you're saying you were concerned.
0: (sighs) I guess so. I guess so. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. I mean, I think that was such an important conversation because at, at some point, you know, at first I was just like, lay off of me, <laughs> like back off. I'm good. I'm like, I've, I have I'm feel like I'm in an okay place. And then, you know, I think the, that conversation kept coming back around and then, you know, finally we dug into it and yeah that came forward and and made a lot of sense and i i think that that part that had felt neglected for for you right was the fear that you had that you know was i going to be choosing work over spending time with our son if i wasn't excited like you said like what would that mean in the storytelling that gets you know created from that space and i think once we named it that was I think really powerful for both of us because it softened my heart quite a bit to hear that because it was like oh like I I do understand that concern and that fear and you know what what feels really emotional about that and I think I I think I hope I was able to speak to that part where without it having to overdo it right like it didn't change I wasn't all of a sudden like super excited and let me put on a show but I think I understood where it was coming from and was able to you know speak to the part that was afraid and and give you my I don't want to say like my commitment or my word because obviously we don't know how things are going to show up or how they're going to unfold or how things are going to feel and be but I I think I could give a little bit of reassurance that I wanted to be I was going to be present I wanted to be present I was not going to be um neglectful and you know all of that so
0: Yeah and I would just say you know, to your, to your credit, it's been eight weeks and, you know, he turns two months tomorrow and you've been amazing. I mean, you've just been so there and on and, and that's been uh very like nurturing and healing, I think in many ways for me to witness, which is a part of the joy that I didn't think, you know, I think when you become a parent or even in any situation in life, when you enter into new Numinous spaces, you know, where you don't know how it's going to go. Preceding it, before it all unfolds, you experience a lot like you can experience joy and happiness and excitement and fear and like all of these different things. And then as it unfolds, you become present to sometimes things that you cannot predict that you are going to experience. And for me, what I couldn't have predicted is how somewhat like satisfying. It's been to watch you be a mom, which has been really cool. And to watch our son be taken care of and just how he reacts and responds to you. And, and that that's been really cool for me. And so, okay, so that's me and that's my stuff. And that's my stuff that came up during your pregnancy, our pregnancy. What about you? What were your lessons during the pregnancy? Because I know that there was a few, they happened a little bit later, but yeah, maybe you can shed some light on that.
1: Yeah, mine definitely came later. And I think the main one, you know, our our little guy was back and forth between transverse and breach um, and trying to get him into position head down. And that was, yeah, he just hung out in that space for majority of the pregnancy and yeah, I wanted him to go head down, obviously.
0: And can I just say (laughs) that it was somewhat hilarious sometimes to see this bulge just sticking out of the side <laughs> the side of your body not like the front in like a normal like what you would like normally expect to see but just like this dome <laughs> protruding from the <laughs> from yeah, like was, was the
1: funny one from there. like
0: was it over the right side of your body where his yeah, his really head funny. was just like chilling out over there it was pretty funny some nights
1: yeah yeah i mean i think i at certain points, I really wanted him to go to go head down so that it would be a simpler, more straightforward birthing process. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the biggest things that came forward, um, I remember our doula saying to me, she said something along the lines of like, you're trying to control his, his path out. I was like, okay. And Then she did lots of other magical stuff and sort of pointed to how I have been trying to control different aspects, people, things, elements of my life. And that part of my work is to allow people to choose their path, even if that path is something that I look at and think, oh, this path would be so much easier this way. Um, And it's so much simpler, more straightforward, or I can see it better than you can see it. And even if that is objectively true in certain cases um and scenarios, that part of my work is to release that and to surrender and to not need to control how other people choose to do things in their life, choose whatever path they're going to take, even if that path does seem, in my opinion, to be harder. Uh, more complicated, etc. And you know, I think in addition, right? Like part of that lesson also came through our dog Bronx, who we we found out Bronx had uh, spleen and liver cancer, or sorry, lung lung cancer, about a couple of weeks out before before our son came earthside, and that was really devastating news for us. He was a healthy totally fine dog. And that cancer just came on really fast. And the vet said that he had about, you know, a few days to a couple of weeks. And so we weren't even sure if he was going to make it until, you know, our son was, uh, our son was born. And, you know, without getting too far into the details of that and whatnot, it, it felt like another layer to this 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 teaching for me of bronx choosing his his path out to even though we wanted him to stick around even though we weren't ready for him to go even though even though even though and there were a lot of examples of allowing and permitting and we needed some time to grieve certainly and you know obviously continue to and miss him deeply but yeah he was he was one of the greatest teachers for me at the end of that pregnancy because I real like with him, I really got it. There was reciprocity in our relationship. And I hope maybe people who have dogs understand this and maybe those who don't can, can try to conceptualize this a bit, but he allowed me to love him. And while I was surrendering to this path out, um, different path than I would have wanted for him, our relationship Mine in Bronx uh, was shifting and changing. And he taught me what I needed to learn with our son. He taught me what I needed to learn before our son entered. And because of that, my birthing experience was quite a bit, I want to say like easier, but what I mean by that is that there was less friction and less like pushback. And
0: push back from you. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like there was a surrender. Like I didn't need to control what happened. Mm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think one of the interesting parts is you're talking about the, like the path out and the having to surrender and like let people let experiences unfold as they may. And, you know, I think a lot of your lessons were, in and around the masculine in a lot of ways, specifically with the men in your life, whether it was me or your dad or, or Bronx. (laughs) And it was interesting to see, or your son, right. To see how all that showed up. And so there was kind of like a, a moving out of this space where you had maintained the, like, not, I know best for other people, but a little bit of that, right? It's like, (laughs) like, if we're just being honest, it's like a little bit of like, I know, I know best, or like, I know better than you right now, or I can see something that you can't see. And almost like, which I totally get, which I've gone through, you know, with myself and my family. Um, But it was interesting to just witness that part come up for you and for you to relinquish the need to try and convince other people Of a certain way or a certain path, even though it might ease their suffering, even though it might allow them a more (sighs) joyful experience or a more easy experience, you know, quote, quote, unquote, easy. And I think that's sometimes a very hard thing for us to do, you know, whether we are dealing with parents that are addicts, um, whether we are dealing with people that want to leave, whether we're dealing with people who you know, want to do life radically different than us. And so I was just hoping that maybe you could speak a little bit more to what that was like for you to have to let go Mm -hmm. Um, because letting go gets talked about a lot, but at the same time, it's a very conceptual thing. So what was your what was your process was it something that you were sort of forced into was it something that you had to embrace actively was it something that you had to practice when you interacted in certain situations whether it was with dad or bronx or or son like what what did that look like for you
1: mm. Yeah, there were a lot of layers to it. I mean, I think while well, with Bronx it was certainly forced, right? It was like there I, there isn't I mean, we could have elected to have a surgery or something like that, but you know, even with that the doctor said that he only had a couple of months left in him and would have been hard for an old dog to go through that and yeah, like so so anyway, I, that's maybe not that important, but yeah, there there was that one felt like, okay, here it is. And and you can't, there isn't anything for you to control other than like actually getting present and loving this dog and letting him feel that in as deeply of a way as he possibly can, which resulted in us cooking every single meal of his <laughs> and feeding that meal to him every single time. I mean, this, this This dog worked it.
0: Yeah. This little, (laughs) this little dude like started to figure out that we, we were really taking care of him. And so he started to get really picky with what he would eat. Like sometimes we would make him a meal and, and we would put it down and he would, you know, only eat the, the chicken or something like that. Or we would hand feed him things that he would normally love, like carrots and red peppers. And he would literally just spit them out and, and he would just select. And sometimes he would only eat if I fed him and he wouldn't let you feed him and then vice versa. I mean, it sometimes really...
1: he wanted his dinner thrown to yeah. him, <laughs> literally <laughs>
0: literally thrown to him so he could catch it. He wouldn't I mean, it was... he
1: wouldn't eat it out of a bowl. I mean, he wouldn't eat it out of your hand. But if you threw the food in the air, he would eat it.
0: So it was like it was like a game <laughs> every day to figure out how the dog like how Bronx was going yeah. to eat. Which was such a, like an act of letting go and surrendering and being like, okay, like whatever you need right now, man, like these are your final moments. And we are just here to be servants, you know, to you in some way in, in your final moments.
1: Yeah. I mean, we, we became really tuned in to him. And I think what was really special about those, those last couple of months that we did get with him were all the rules sort of went out the, uh, out the door, you know, he was allowed on furniture. I smothered him whether he liked it or not. Um, We even brought him into our bed, which, you know, yeah, he's not a, he's not a furniture dog. And, but these last couple of months he received, you know, as much love as possible. And I think like I would just, both of us, but I know you're asking about me, I would get down on the floor with him and just spoon and breathe, hold his paws, speak to him you know, grief was big, right? There were, you know, for, again, for both of us, there were a lot of tears. Um, gosh, there were a lot of tears. Yeah. Yeah, there were a lot of tears. And we let him see that. And I think he knew, I think he knew that we were really sad. And yeah. And I think we could feel from him too. Like he didn't want to, I think he didn't want to go. He didn't want to leave us, but he was in a sick body and it was time for him. So, yeah, that process looked like feeling, feeling a lot, feeling with him, feeling sometimes solo, feeling with you in bed without him, but it was a lot of feeling. And, yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, what really added to it in many ways was the fact that we, here we are about to have this perceivably like very incredibly joyous moment in life. You know, people, the things that most people are, Yeah, you know, when you bring a child into the world, it's like a very celebratory moment, you know, you're excited, you, you don't know what to expect. And yet at the same time, we were having to m- meet that experience with like heavy grief on the one side and then just joy and gratitude on the other, you know? And so I think that was, that was the wild part for me, you know, it was being in the, in the presence of such polarity of experience, just the the opposite ends, like literally ushering life into our home while ushering it out and Having the opportunity to integrate our son into our life and welcome him into our family and start new routines with him while we are having to say goodbye to this incredibly you know loving. Dog who who literally is a part of the family, you know. Like if you've, whether you're a cat person, a dog person, like a whatever, a horse person, it's like they they just become members of your family. And Bronx certainly was an integral, really important member of our family. And so, such a wild experience to have that all sort of coalesce at once. I think for me that that was the I don't even know if lesson is the right word, but that like life doesn't discriminate life it doesn't necessarily always give you what you want and and that the that there is a fullness um that we can sometimes try and avoid you know i think that that's always sort of happening uh to some varying degree but not in the the sort of nuance or the directness that we experience like i could have never expected that Um, but I don't know that I would change it for anything. You know, I think it really was a really important lesson about life, about death. And for us to, you know, I mean, we had, how old was, how old was he when we, when Bronx passed, like,
1: um, maybe five, six weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Six weeks. Probably.
0: Yeah. So you know i mean we have a few weeks with both of them which was incredible and then we have to say goodbye to one and so yeah what do you want to say anything else about that
1: yeah i mean i think like i said before bronx was such a was my greatest teacher in those months and what what that process looked for, like for me you know with with our son you know i would i would spend time just speaking to him sort of internally inside of me. And and maybe what that would have sounded like was, you know, I, I think that I know our, our best way out here, you know, this path that I think is probably the healthiest, best path for you. But you also might know something that I don't know. And it it happened that, that he did, you know, his, uh, the umbilical cord was wrapped around his neck a couple of times. And, you know, we didn't know that at the time. And it was the reason why he was not able to, to shift and to move. And so it was just interesting to sort of be in conversation, right. Where I was saying like, I think, you know, instead of trying to force this pathway out, right. Instead of trying to force it and control it, It was sort of like, I think that this is like from all the things that I know and all the research that I, you know, have and all that, like, this is what mom thinks, but I trust you inside of there. And, you know, when it came to my dad, my dad is 83 years old and, you know, is, is sort of, he's the guy who pulls out the map instead of, GPS and,
0: but but not just like, like any an map. atlas, like a like a full <laughs> a full like eighty page atlas, <laughs> and and like not a normal sized map or atlas, like an oversized atlas. Just just for context.
1: You know, so yes, Atlas, full size and like looking for landmarks, like when you, you know, third left and what's at the left and, you know, all of that. And we're like, we don't, we don't know. (laughs) And, you know, that's just a silly example, but it was... You're like, dad, why can't you just use GPS? Why like, this would make life a lot easier. Well, no, I'm going to do this. I'm getting lost every time, you know? And I think the process looked like when these parts would show up, just sort of allowing. And like, if you're going to get lost, you're going to get lost. That's okay, you know? So yeah, that's, oh, again, there were so many layers to it all, but the process, like the the being in it was a lot of feeling, It was also allowing myself to really be in the joy. You know, like I said, with Bronx, there was so much reciprocity there. He really let me and gave love back in such, oh gosh, significant, profound, deep ways. So yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think there was, I think for you, what I'm hearing you say is that the lesson really was about letting go and the act, the experience of letting go the being forced in, I mean, you experienced having to let go in many different ways, right? Having to choose it, being forced into it, having it thrust upon you, (laughs) you know, getting to decide. And so I, I think from the outside, that's the, that's certainly what I observed. It was that letting go was just on, on so many different planes for you as you stepped into motherhood. And I think it's such a critical lesson from what I've, you know, observed in life thus far is that letting go is a very challenging thing for most of us to do when we want the best for someone, or, you know, we, we, we can see that someone's hurting or suffering or in pain in some way. And so we want a path forward for them. And it's very challenging and very hard for us to let go. Um, Again, I've had to do that with my mom where, you know, with, with what she's going through, I might think that I know what's best for her but I can't force her into that. And so having to let go of that entirely. So let's talk about, let's talk about becoming parents and what that has been like in our relationship and what our, what our relationships looked like throughout all of this. Cause I, I think that's an important part. What would you say has shifted in our relationship? What has been the, not a challenge, but maybe like impact of pregnancy, having a child enter into our life, How has that shifted our relationship what's what has it taken relationally in order for us to bring this splendid little human in, and I think that we should talk about later on his name because I dropped it. I slipped it out on a podcast before I'm, I'm 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 confessing right now, yeah, I let it slip, so we'll have to talk about it so but from your vantage point, what would you say? has been the impact of this because i think one of the things that you know we've talked about before is that most people what is it 67% of people report a decline in their relational satisfaction after having a child and i don't think that i've experienced a decline yet uh, it's only been it's only been 2 months but i kind of want to get your perspective on this so maybe i'll just hand over the the torch to you
1: yeah i haven't felt a decline either I think part of that is because you took a lot of time off from work as well. And although now that you're transitioning back, I can see how it, how easily it would be for you know, the person who is um, spending their time in this new role during this trend, transition phase to become resentful and you know frustrated in what maybe does not feel equal, but Again, that that really hasn't happened. I mean, I think in many ways, this has brought us together even more. And I know maybe that sounds like a fairy tale in some ways, but I I think that that has been true.
0: I think that that's also something that we've consciously worked towards. We've had to work for that to be true, I think.
1: Yeah. And listen, you and I spoke quite a bit before he came we we covered a lot of material you know we're we're very open we talk about anything and everything that we can we can think of that comes to mind right so like our ability to be in our internal experiences and then bring them forward to each other is a huge part of why being in the reality of this now is not a walk in the park for sure but i think our Agreements and expectations that we have of each other. You know, I think we have to over communicate in some ways of schedule and calendar and all of that. But, you know, outside of that, I think it's been such a pleasure at getting to know him and getting to share in that experience with each other.
0: What's been the hardest moment or moments? Because I, I certainly have had a couple of moments, one in specific that I'm sure we'll talk about. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, what's been the hardest moments for you? Because I know that you've gone through some shifts as well and some challenges in becoming a mom. Um, so maybe can you just speak about that?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, in the beginning, my lack of mobility was really hard and emotional. and. Yeah, I mean, I think it required you to do more than what you expected, and we had Connor had a night.
0: Oh, you're putting it back on me already, hey? Well,
1: I mean, you did name it before. Just keep, you
0: keep sharing your stuff. I'll <laughs> share mine.
1: Yeah, the immobility was really hard for me, and a lot of pain after physical pain after the birth, and yeah, I mean, I think I'm feeling into now. He's uh, he's two months today and you're transitioning back to work. I will be transitioning back to work in another month ish. And like, I think the identity piece, not having much independence, like with you around, I think sharing in that was so pleasurable. You know, us figuring it all out together and being able to hand him off at times and like take a moment. And right now, just being without you, I actually think is, is confronting. And I can feel this part that's like, I can't get anything done in a day. And not that I like, I, I can catch myself for like eight hours straight, just staring at him. And that is incredible. But also there's like a few things I want to do in a day and really hard to get those things done and just, just take a breather. Yeah.
0: You want me to share now? Is that what that knot is?
1: Mm -hmm. Although I just
0: don't have it. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, leading up to the birth, I certainly felt this distinct kind of, I don't know if it's anger, but I definitely felt like I was grieving the loss of a part of my freedom as a man, you know, because before I could kind of, I had so much freedom and flexibility. I could travel whenever I wanted. I mean, pre-COVID, obviously, but I could travel whenever I wanted I could do workshops whenever I wanted, you know, I could kind of come and go as I pleased. And as we got closer to having our child, I felt this part of me being like, oh my gosh, like I'm not going to be able to just go do whatever the fuck I want whenever the fuck I want, you know, which I didn't, it's not like I executed on that constantly, but I, but it certainly was a big part, like to be able to travel back and forth. I
1: don't know why you say it like that. What do you mean? He sounds
0: like such a bro. Well, I am a bro sometimes. <laughs> you married a bro. <laughs> but, you know, I think it felt like it was infringing on my freedom in some, in some way. And my individual capacity to just be free and do whatever I wanted. So I did a lot of work on that leading up to his arrival. And then when he showed up, I was like, oh yeah, of course, you know, this is going to take a lot of time out of my schedule and I'm going to have to be more organized, but I'm still going to live my life. I think the, the old friend, colleague, mentor of mine, Philip McKernan said, you know, I I would die for my kids and take a bullet for them, but I won't live my life for them. And that's always stuck with me. That always has felt true for me that I, I literally would die for our son. I would, I would take a bullet for him. Hands down, without a doubt, makes me emotional to think about, but like, I don't know why, (laughs) but I I totally would. I'd be like, I I would sacrifice sacrifice myself for him if, if push came to shove, but I won't live my entire life for him because I don't think that it does a service to him. You know, like if I'm living my life for him. And I'm sacrificing my own wants and needs, which I see a lot of parents do. You know, they kind of get caught. Their life becomes about living for their child and and it becomes all consuming. And, you know, I think part of the... Are
1: you like differentiating between like sacrifice versus sort of like an enmeshed way of living? Because I think that there is a tremendous amount of sacrifice and there will be things that you don't do or can't do because you choose something for him instead? I mean,
0: sure. I see what you're saying. Like the enmeshment part. Yeah. I'm not going to be enmeshed with him. And certainly there'll be things that I have to sacrifice, but that won't always be the case. Like I'm still going to run my business in the way that I want go do the weekends. You know, I'm still going to operate my life, which means that sometimes I won't be around and that is important to me that's incredibly important to me like i think part of the part of the importance that i feel as a parent is to show my child that they are undeniably important to me but that my independent life my passions my purpose is still at the forefront of what i do and at the forefront of what is meaningful to me because i want him to have an understanding that he has a a freedom to go and find that for himself, you know, and that I can be a living example of that because I think oftentimes, you know, I don't know, it's not necessarily a a judgment, but I think that a lot of parents live in a way where maybe not a lot, but some live in a way where they don't go and pursue the things that they want because they believe that they have to sacrifice their own personal pursuits for the benefit of their children, and i know that there's sort of like a there's a balance in there certainly there's a balance in there but what i'm saying is that i will continue to pursue my purpose i will continue to pursue my passions i will continue to pursue those things and that doesn't mean that i'm going to like you know miss his championship games or spelling bee contests like i'm not <laughs> those things will still be prioritized but it's not that i'm going to stop doing those things so
1: i think I hear you saying that you would do anything for him and you still find it necessary and important to honor the things in your life that are meaningful to you that are outside of him and that you don't want to abandon those things, right? That love isn't an abandonment of all of those things for him, but the integration of it all.
0: So well said, Mindful MFT. (laughs) Thank you for articulating what I was rambling about.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, I think I was like just listening to you sort of process through all that and was maybe a bit confused and (laughs) losing you in there um, a little bit because I I do think that because what I know about you is that you do sacrifice for the people you love and that, but
0: it, but it never, I don't sacrifice at the cost of what gives my life meaning. Sure. Yeah. And, and that, I think that that's that, that, the, that's what I'm saying is yeah. that, that, that sacrifice for him and for you and for our relationship won't come at the cost of what brings my life joy and meaning and purpose.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That, that I think makes more sense. Thanks for sharing that. But I also think that you just talked a whole lot about that too. Uh, to maybe sidestep sharing about that one night.
0: Okay. So this is how we're going to wrap up for today for this. There's going to be more conversations. I'm sure there'll be more questions. And if you do have questions for Vienna or myself, you can write in info at mantalks.ca. I would love to hear your questions about what, what you would like to know about our transition into parenthood or our relationship. And we will do our best to navigate them. So We're going to end with the story that my, my most challenging moment in becoming a dad, uh, we were two or three weeks in and it was challenging in the sense that I was having to do a lot more than expected, mostly because of like, you know, you weren't able to, you weren't very mobile. You weren't mobile at all really for the first couple of weeks. And so I had to pick up a lot more than I expected. So during the day, I was taking care of you. I was taking care of him. Anytime that he needed to breastfeed, I was carrying him to you. Like I was I was kind of playing this like caretaker, super dad, cooking food, like I mean, all the all this stuff. Although we did we did have some help, um, which alleviated some of the stress. But I certainly was taking on more than I had expected and bargained for. And he was waking up every single, you know, every two hours, as all babies do like uh, most babies that I know of and not that I,
1: how many babies do you know? Of?
0: I mean, I was the old, I'm the oldest five. I know that they will wake up all the time. And so anyway, so it was like three o'clock in the morning. He woken up for the second time. I, or third time by this time I bring him to you. We go through the routine, you know, I, I change him. I give him to you. You're feeding him and you at three o'clock in the morning, say to me, why don't you go get his snuggle me and we can try co-sleeping at three.
1: No, 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 At Three o'clock. No, in the morning. hold on. There's so much. No. Okay. Let me take over the storytelling here. He was not going back to sleep and continued waking up. So he, he sleeps in a bassinet next right, right, to right. us. He'd
0: been awake. for. A couple, he had yeah. been
1: awake. It wasn't like I had fed him and I was like, let's try this new thing. Because he just he was just in a screaming spell, <laughs> so in the three a.m. delirious space, I was like, why don't we get the the snuggle me? I don't know. Just bring it in, maybe that'll feel better for him. So Connor brings it up and then throws it on the bed, no, and I, don't I no no, and then I'm like, well, we need to take all the sheets off. We can only have one pillow in the in the bed. do that all the stuff right? And Connor's like, no, like what? No, you know all the. <laughs> and then he
0: dude, yeah Go. give me back give me this back so then by this point I am I'm am pissed I'm like livid I've lost any morsel of patience that I had up until that point and I, I get I get angry and so I he lost it so I, I lost it I definitely lost my cool I lost my temper I lost my consciousness and the little snuggle me is like the little bed that code sleeps in which we're gonna have to talk about his name later But it's the little bed that he sleeps in. And I took the little snuggle me. He wasn't sleeping in it. And I. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And I whipped it on the floor. I literally, I picked it up and I was like, he's not sleeping in this. And I just throw the little bed on the floor.
1: He threw the snuggle me across the room. (laughs) Just so we're like really direct and explicit about it. Threw it across the room. Then turns back around and goes. Give me the baby. Well, let me, let me finish
0: it. it. You don't get to take this over. I didn't tell your story. I did say that. I turned to her and I said, give me the baby. Probably through gritted teeth. And because he was crying and needed a diaper change.
1: Which for clarity's sake, just in case there's any confusion on the listener end of things. Usually when a person says, give me the baby in that tone is not the appropriate time to hand over the baby. That's
0: exactly when you should hand a person a baby is when they're livid. (laughs) Give me the baby.
1: So Connor takes the baby to go change him. And I start crying.
0: Well, let me let me finish here. Let me finish. There's no defense here. So I did take the baby. Vienna did start crying and I am changing the baby. And as I'm changing the baby and I'm like, I am viscerally mad. I'm brooding inside. Code is screaming and kicking. He's got a shitty diaper. And I look back and Vienna's crying and I'm like, and so I look back at Vienna and I'm like, what are you crying about? Stop crying.
1: (laughs) So just keeping, keeping track here for the listener Connor has thrown the snuggle me across the room. He has said, "Give me the baby" after throwing said snuggle me across the room. He has told me to stop crying. <laughs> and then he starts throwing undressing coat and throwing coat's clothing into the yeah. d- into his.
0: <laughs> he had shit himself out of his diaper. He had like pooed through his diaper and puked on himself and so I was like throwing his clothes into the hammer anyway uh clear it's a good story it's a good story and you know i think it it just it happens it happens to all of us we all have there's you know it's why the Dalai Lama doesn't have children <laughs> they would they would lose their connection to enlightenment instantaneously when those 3 a.m moments happen
1: gotta be able to laugh about it.
0: it's true it's true but Send us your questions. That's all for today. We hope that you enjoyed uh, our conversation about becoming parents and the journey that we have been on. I know this is a condensed version, but thanks so much for tuning in. Please share with people that you know will enjoy this conversation. Uh, and if you do have questions, please write me either DM me at man talks uh, or you can send me an email, info at mantalks.ca. Anything you want to say, wife?
1: No, just thanks for having me, and I love you.
0: I love you too. All right. Bye.